0: Welcome to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders Podcast. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco. If you're interested in the latest industry trends and new technologies that are reshaping the future of insurance, you're in the right place. Stick around to hear my discussions with industry leaders as we help uncover today's emerging opportunities for the future of insurance. Good day, everybody, and welcome to the Majesco Industry Influencer Podcast Series. And I'm thrilled today to have One of our strategic partners, PwC, and Nicole Lapka join us today to talk about customer experience. Welcome, Nicole. Hello, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Nicole, talk about your role at PwC and your background and customer experience has become such a passion of yours.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to. So, as you said, my name is Nicole Lapka. I'm a director with PwC, and within our practice, I specialize in customer and digital experience strategy. And I have done that for insurance companies for the past 13 years, really working across all sectors. I've spent time with P and I've spent time with Life, I've spent time with group, even a little bit of reinsurance. So, like you name it, I've done it and have worked across the value chain as well. So looking at how experience manifests and can be improved in acquisition, servicing, claims, all of those areas. And in terms of why it's a passion, I think, you know, insurance as an industry. It has some ways to go when it comes to providing a good customer experience for its customers, for agents, for its employees. So there's always a lot of work to be done. And I'm passionate about how we can bring some of the best that you see outside of insurance into insurance to just make everyone's lives a little bit better when it comes to that topic.
0: Wonderful. So with that background, let's talk about the market forces that you're seeing in the industry that is reshaping customer expectations And how are companies like Amazon, Apple, Netflix, all of us love near and dear to our hearts are really changing the focus on customer expectations? And how do you define a digital first company like they are? Yeah, that's
1: a great question. I think you really hit the nail on the head, right? So we've been saying this forever, uh, and I think it's, it's catching on finally, but the expectation you have for experience is not set in the context of a specific industry, right? I don't go online to buy insurance and compare that to other online insurance purchasing experiences. I compare it to when I'm you know, shopping for choose online, or when I'm using a streaming service, or I'm on my phone, right, I'm using the operating system. So those companies that you mentioned really do set the standard and kind of throw down the gauntlet of what good experiences are, and everyone else has to try to catch up to that. And I think like if you take a broad view, what those great companies you mentioned have in common is really good ease of use. So if you're trying to accomplish a task, you come in and you can knock it out very easily. And then in terms of the user experience design, they usually have a very intuitive and simple approach, right? So it's easy to use, it's a joy to use sometimes, and it's really easy to accomplish what you came there to do. So that's kind of, I think, broadly, um, you know, just as those companies continue to expand and improve and innovate their experiences. That's always kind of setting the standard that other companies and other industries are following. I do think there's a couple of specific trends, maybe just to call out that we're seeing, that I'm seeing at least impact insurance. So one is mobile. Obviously everyone goes everywhere with their phone that's not necessarily new, but we are seeing more companies invest time uh, in developing or mobile experiences or making their desktop experiences more responsive to mobile. So you can do things online on your phone when you're out and about. I think data privacy is a second one. There's been kind of this resurgence. I think it's always been a bit of an issue that kind of ebbs and flows, but recently it's it's on an, a flow <laughs> where people are more interested in in regulating and fighting to protect your personal data. You know, one of the major phone carriers recently, their new iOS allows you to opt out of data tracking entirely. So I think that has interesting implications for insurance, where a lot of the ways you simplify those experiences are by using third-party data and trying to relieve the burden of asking them, like the, the users for information. So I think that's a trend we'll see impacting experience in and then, lastly, to get hyper specific to insurance, I think this concept of bundling is is really taking off. Obviously, if you watch TV, there's a lot of insurance commercials. A lot of them have taken that bundling angle as as insurance companies are really kind of strategically fighting for that share of wallet. And we're seeing that translate into digital experiences in terms of improving those capabilities of what not only what products can be bundled. So I think traditionally it's been you know, like a, an auto and a property, you're seeing some carriers now add on different kinds of policies that can be bundled, like life insurance or ATV motorcycle, and also expanding to what extent that can be done digitally versus forcing you into an offline channel, like a call center, or things like that. So I think just to get hyper-specific mobile data privacy insurance, I'm sorry, insurance, <laughs> bundling of insurance, those are three trends that are kind of really impacting, I think, the carrier space right now.
0: That's great, Nicole. One of the other areas that is really an area of focus that we've done some research on is really this next generation and their expectations and the implications of that for insurance. It's not to say the older generation doesn't have a a digital expectation, but this younger generation, it's almost everything's digital first and it's got to be ease and comfort. And I think that with them becoming kind of the dominant buyers across all industries, including insurance now, because their numbers are there and they're greater than the older generation. This is here today and insurers really need to respond to that. What are the implications of this generational shift?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think we've We've talked to carriers a lot where you know they talk about millennials, gen Z, and what does that mean for an agent channel, for example, right? And I feel like to some extent, since I started working thirteen years ago, I've been hearing about this, the death of the agent and everything's going go digital. And I don't think that's ever going to fully come to fruition. I think customers, including younger generations, will continue to be driven by context when it comes to what their channel preferences are. And what I mean by that is the type of experience you're looking to have fulfilled and the nature of the product complexity matters a lot when you're trying to decide if you're going to try to do the a self-serve digital, if you're going to call someone, if you're going to see an agent, because the level of advice and guidance you need really differences. Like there's, there's differences based on those types of things, right? So if you look at data, What what the data tells us is that for PNC personal lines, there's a very high propensity to research different product options online. When it comes to a big decision like purchasing, that propensity dips a little bit. But when you get into servicing for simple transactions, it rises again, right? But when you talk about more complex products, like a small commercial, some of the more complex life insurance products, for example, you see a greater desire for people to talk to a person. But with the generational shift that you're mentioning there, I think that's a really important item to bring up because that in concert with what we just talked about, where you have this ever evolving digital expectations being set by non-insurance companies, basically like that line of what people feel comfortable doing online is continuing to advance, right? So whereas 20 years ago, people wouldn't think of buying insurance online. Right now, 90% of people in recent studies say that they're comfortable or open to purchasing auto insurance online. So that line's going to continue to progress where even where some of those more complex transactions that people currently feel comfortable doing in, in discussion with the person, eventually we're going to be able to get to a point where some portion of those people will do it online. And that's going to be driven both by the leaders in outside of insurance, making experiences very simple and evolving those expectations, and also the generational shift where you know, people grew up with a phone in their hand and that's just what they're used to. Um, so I, I think that's where it's headed. And just to maybe kind of take it one step further what it means i think for carriers that have not invested heavily in digital channels i think they should be exploring to what extent digital capabilities can complement their agent channels in these areas right what segments could be better served by digital what experiences could be better served by digital and is there more of an ecosystem approach they should be taking where they should be looking at even a, a different non-traditional digital channel where you have, you know, API driven integrations that put shopping or, or you know, quoting opportunities beyond your own, you know, carrier website. There's a company right now, it's a, a usage-based insurance startup that has an integration and a partnership with a app that cat- trucks gas prices. And they have really built in a, a great partnership where you can use that, that gas app to quote insurance and, you know, look at different value propositions there.
0: Let's dive into that whole multi-channel perspective. You know, the the customer expectations and demographics that are really rapidly reshaping that. We've seen the the direct-to-consumer, obviously, across both life and PNC for both personal and in some cases, even for some small commercial, you know, BOP type of Mm -hmm. stuff, increasingly even for some benefits. Obviously, the agent and broker channels are continuing to be there, but there's a real consolidation going on with those that it's going to make it a lot more competitive. But now we're seeing insurers partnering with other insurers. There's the exchanges out there. And now we're seeing the whole embedded insurance from soft, hard and invisible to the point that you are making, you know, with companies like a Tesla and a GM, even partnerships with other companies like a Walmart or other types of uh, even retail Uh, for for simplified insurance. Why is that becoming such a big area of growth from a customer expectation standpoint? And what does that mean for insurers needing now to really kind of operate in this multi-channel perspective, allowing customers to engage with them when and how and what channel they want to at any point across their whole kind of life as they are customers of insurers?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of what you're talking about with, with this embedded insurance, it's a very fascinating to me and how this kind of ecosystem model is starting to play out with, with more partnerships you know, with, with between carriers and all sorts of different entities. So I think in terms of why maybe this is, is taking off more so now than it has in the past is, you're gonna hear me say the word context a lot in our discussion. I think it comes back to really reaching customers in the right context, right? So if you're going to buy a car, or lease a car, why not just wrap the insurance into that? Why do we unbundle all those different components and make it more difficult where people have to individually shop and and take the time to do that? So I think you're seeing, you know, there's some ultra high-end luxury cars who are rolling out subscription models where maintenance, insurance, you know, obviously the leasing cost of the car are all included and all you pay for is gas. You're seeing that, again, super high-end of the car market. You're seeing it kind of for more everyday auto brands. are looking at that as well. And I think it it really comes back to that context of the person's here to get a car, why not just wrap everything that's needed as part of it versus trying to force this to be a separate decision a separate shopping experience that you know ultimately is just less less easy for the customer. And then I think outside of the embedded, going back to more of that API driven integration example, it's similar, right? It's just kind of a different angle of it. The gas app I was talking about, if you're interested in looking at gas prices and you're engaging with the app a lot, you're, you might be more you know predisposition to use a usage based insurance product because you're very careful about you know prices and monitoring how much you drive and things like that. So that context is again a, a nice fit. There's also a well-known home insurance startup that has a number of value chain partners, kind of up and down the home producing experience. People like realtors, lenders, and they've looked at that API integration too. So as you're working with a realtor, as you're getting a mortgage, you know, estimate, what's the cost of insurance, let's throw that in there. You can hook into our system and we'll give you that price. So I think it all comes back to context. Why not put the decision of insurance very closely connected? to the product you're insuring and make it an easier kind of holistic decision versus bifurcating it unnecessarily.
0: It's a fascinating area and it can go across any kind of business, insure tech startups, working with providing insurance for RVs and trailers and camper vans. And actually that whole kind of outdoorsy experience is really where millennials and Gen Z are really focused in on having those kind of experiences. And so I find it fascinating as well, because it really is going to change the nature of products that we need to provide to be able to get customer expectations at a point in time that they need that kind of insurance.
1: Yeah, agreed. And I think that, I mean, product to me is one of the last areas of insurance where we haven't done a lot of really experienced focus on it, right? Like a lot of product work or product changes comes out of, you know, in some cases meeting unmet needs, but a lot of times it's tweaks, it's endorsements, it's pricing changes. There's less of a really good lens of experience on products. And I feel like that's probably like one of the last remaining areas of where real innovation can happen, where like really advanced innovation can happen with insurance experiences, as people start to consider product part of the experience and not just the the acquisition or servicing component.
0: Yeah, and that brings up a point that we've been talking about and writing about for some time, that it's really the definition of a product is changing. It's no longer just the risk product, it's about the risk product plus the customer experience plus the value-added services. And so it encompasses all of that to really kind of do something dramatically different than what we've done in the past. And that place is a real challenge on insurers to be able to kind of rethink that concept and then what are the implications of that for ecosystems that they put together, for partners they bring together, and then for the technology underneath to really create that overall customer experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I think we've been saying for a while and it's catching on more so now, what's the value added component of insurance, right? Fairly or not, there there is this, you know, pretty prevalent negative perception of insurance companies that they take your money and then when you have something bad happen to you, they fight you tooth and nail so they don't have to pay it. And working with a lot of carriers, I know that's not the case. But, you know, the people who tend to work in claims are very empathetic and really want to help the clients and the customers they have. But that is kind of a pervasive, and it's not just TNC or life at all, I'm probably actually less on life, but it's, it's not just TNC, that's in healthcare, all, all those areas, right? So I think the way you start to kind of change that narrative is with the value added services, And it's also a way to combat the increase in commoditization that you see, like, you know, in PNC auto in particular, right? But that industry, that segment has gotten to be so much just price driven. How do you change that paradigm and allow people who aren't, you know, just the lowest price providers to have a real shot at competing? And I think that's where what you're talking about with ecosystems and what kind of additional services can you provide. So it's not just when you have a claim, it's not just when you have an accident, you're getting value from the carrier you're getting it in other ways. And I think the, the most prevalent example we're seeing of that right now is probably in the home insurance personal line space with discounts or free sensors that are being provided you know, to help with risk prevention, risk mitigation. But I think you also see it to some extent in life insurance, there's a leading life insurer who offers two different programs, one's just for everyone, one's really focused actually on uh, the diabetic population where it's additional program you can enlist in and it provides all sorts of benefits in terms of, you know, health. So if you complete so many workouts for so many minutes in a month, then you earn points. Those points can be used to apply towards like a free Apple Watch and all that again in the life insurance space is seen as a value add, but it's also helping improve the health of their members, which is good when it comes to paying out life insurance claims. So I think there's interesting ways people can continue to look at that. And then when you come to the ecosystem component, interesting partnerships you can look at of how do you bring people into the the insurance spectrum to continue to provide those ancillary benefits that aren't just paying a claim.
0: So one of the things that you talked about, I'd like to explore just a little bit more, is how do you leverage data uh, to drive engagement, target new sales, retain customers, increase their loyalty, drive better experiences, you know, that really kind of, creates a deeper trust, a value, and a loyalty. And what are some of the interesting yeah. things being done in this area?
1: So I think that's a great question because insurers have so much data and I don't think that they're always using it that well. And I think there's also sometimes a hesitancy to use third party data that doesn't come from their own internal sources beyond, you know, using the data service that gives them, you know, information to help quote. They don't really look at partners outside of that to help really augment and provide a more holistic picture of the customers that they have, or even the customers they don't have that they should be targeting. And I think that's a missed opportunity in terms of how they could provide either to really enhance the experience, right? I think when they do do this, oftentimes it's in service of trying to proactively provide better advice or coverage recommendations. So again, a homeowner insurance startup, they claim to use a third-party provider of satellite imagery so they can do, you know, semi-regular assessments of your property. Oh, you've put in a pool or you've built a shed that has different risk implications. We should talk about changing your policy from when you didn't have that, right? Or on the life insurance side, kind of tapping into these different partners to know Oh, you've purchased a home, or oh, maybe you're expecting a new child. Like that has implications on what your life insurance should be, or, or what your your coverage limit should be. So I think there are some carriers who do that, probably not as many as it could. And there's some tricks there with the creepy factor. You know, how do you know I'm expecting a child? I did not tell you that. I don't like that. But. I think there's still opportunities where you could do that in a non creepy way, and that usually comes in with value-added services. So if you can use data proactively to make it feel like you're giving the customer benefit, and that goes back to some of the things we were talking about with, you know, the sensors for for leaks and things like that in your home or the, the life insurance health program I was talking about. I think that's where you can kind of help build trust, build value, and build loyalty with your customers while both collecting and kind of using third-party data in a different way to kind of like, you know, make that overall experience just feel a bit more
0: valuable. Awesome. So as we kind of begin to wrap up here, Nicole, one of the questions I like to ask everybody is what word would you use to describe the future of insurance and why?
1: Yeah, I, we said it a lot today, but I'm going to say it again. I think ecosystems really, to me, is, is becoming that word. And I think the reason is everything we've really discussed for the past, you know, however many minutes in terms of insurance increasingly driven towards commoditization, how can you expand that value proposition? And carriers really probably shouldn't, even if they could, shouldn't do that alone, right? They need to tap in the people who specialize in other areas, whether it's smart home providers, whether it's, you know, health and wellness programs, whether it's security or safety features. Let the people who do that best do that best and then have an ecosystem of partnerships with those people to provide more value to your customers. And that allows you to really reframe that value proposition you offer to people and allow you to be more competitive against your peer set in terms of trying to attract people and provide a, a different type of comprehensive experience that's not really focused on the paying of claims and more about overall protection and well-being.
0: Love it. Yeah, it really is about a a much broader experience and uh, it's pretty exciting to see the the transition and the transformation for the industry and so much opportunity ahead uh, for those that can really take vision and turn it into uh, executable strategy elements to really kind of uh, power forward for the future of insurance.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So thanks so much, uh, Nicole. It's been great uh, chatting with you and we really appreciate the partnership with PwC. I'm looking forward to Lots of opportunities here where we can help insurers together really kind of accelerate uh, that digital transformation and create these awesome customer experiences.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Denise.
0: It was a pleasure to be here today. That's a wrap for this week's episode of the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Be sure to sign up for our email list and follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Denise Garth, wishing you a happy podcasting.